This episode contains graphic content. Listener discretion is highly advised. Welcome to the second episode of the week. Hey, hi, hello. My name is Harmony, and I'll be your host here on What the Actual F. And don't worry, your ears are not deceiving you. This is the second episode that I am releasing this week. Don't get used to it, though. This is not going to always happen, but every once in a while, who knows? I might give you guys a little something extra. Just to let you guys know how much I truly appreciate all of your support and continuing to enjoy the content that I create for you. So every once in a while, you're going to get a bonus episode. Lately, if you guys have been listening, I have been sitting on a bunch of conspiracies. I thought, why don't I release an episode that is back to our roots? And that is true crime. So if you want to talk about conspiracies, wait until the next episode. But if you like true crime and you want to stick around and hear one that's really fucked up, well then stick around and hear one that's really fucked up because that's what I'm going to tell you about today. Now there are a lot of mysteries regarding the murders committed by serial killer Herbert Baumeister because he ended up killing himself before he was ever even arrested or admitted to any of the crimes. Herbert was able to get away with murder for years because he was the last person that anyone would suspect of being a serial killer. Herbert Baumeister may have looked like the family man with a wife and kids, but he was secretly living a double life. During the 1980s and early 1990s, Herbert Baumeister was a serial killer. A drive-by striping, <laughs> you know, whatever. Herb Baumeister of Carmel saw it all. I said to my son, they're going to hit that raccoon with a spray gun, and sure enough, they just striped right over its face and neck. You know, didn't even move it, you know, no effort to, you know, get it out of the way. So I happened to have a Polaroid with me, so I took a shot of the thing. A raccoon, which met its demise on the yellow line, became one with the paint. The raccoon has since been removed. This is all that's left. This was just, you know, uh, the painter should have had a chalk line drawn around his career by state officials. There was no excuse for that. I mean, the poor thing deserved a better fate than that. While Herbert spent time with his wife and kids and worked as a successful store owner during the day, at night, he was hanging out at gay bars and meeting men whom he would later assault and kill. Baumeister's killing spree came to an end in July of 1996, after nearly a dozen bodies were found at Fox Hollow Farm. Fox Hollow Farm was Herbert's million-dollar Indiana property. As police ended up closing in on him, he fled the country and shot himself. Now it's no shock to hear that there are serial killers out there that get away with their crimes because they successfully buried their bodies for so long. You know, keeping the evidence hidden, obviously. One major example of this is John Wayne Gacy, a personal favorite serial killer of mine. He buried young men in a crawlspace beneath his home. Herbert followed along with this pattern, burying his victims' bodies in the woods near his home that he shared with his wife and three children. It's also suspected, however, that those are not the only murders that Herbert committed. It seems like Mr. Herbert was responsible for nine more deaths and burials of men's bodies along Interstate 70. This was between Indianapolis and Columbus, Ohio. So who the fuck was Herbert Baumeister? And how did this family man have a secret life as a serial killer? 
Herbert Baumeister's friends describe him as a man who had nervous tendencies, a fairly explosive temper, and a strange sense of humor. He was just a major prankster, and with that in mind, he just, uh, anything for a laugh he would do, but on the other side, he was still pretty compassionate, too. He didn't want to take him to too far extremes to hurt anybody. Randy Hartley worked with Baumeister for several years at the Bureau of Motor Vehicles. So did Alan Fishburne. I was shocked. I was uh, mortally shocked because uh, in knowing her for the past uh, 15, 16 years, I found him, you know, as, as a spontaneous, uh, do, do any, any type of thing person uh, within, you know, certain reasons. By all accounts, the Baumeister family seemed to appear as a normal, in every sense of the word, family. Herbert and Julie were married for 25 years. And in that span of time, they had three children together. Two daughters, Marnie and Emily, and one son, Eric. Both Herb and Julie were very hands-on with their children, and they gave so much love and attention to them. The family lived on a million-dollar estate known as Fox Hollow Farm. This was located in Westfield, Indiana. During the summer months, the Baumeister family vacationed at a nearby lake while staying at a family-owned condo. During these family trips, however, Herb would stay at the family home to work at uh, the family stores. At least that's what he claimed. What Julie did not know was that her husband was also cruising local gay bars at night. He would go out to the Indianapolis area and meet men using the alias known as Brian Smart. I want to share something with you. Julie would go on to share a intimate detail of her and Herbert's marriage. Now, Julie and Herbert were married for 25 years. But you want to know a secret? In that 25 years, Julie states that her and Herbert only had sex six times. I just gotta say this, I'm not one to give a crap about anybody's sex life. What you do in the bedroom has nothing to do with me if I'm not involved, so I don't care. But if you are with somebody for 25 years and you can count on two hands the amount of times that you have had sex, well, well something's wrong. Like, that's a red flag. When you're in a relationship, when you are married, when you are with somebody, when you are committed, physical sharing of love and intimacy is a must. And let's face it, an orgasm is amazing. And I mean, <laughs> who wouldn't want that with the person that they're with? So six times, that's just sad. And that should have been a massive red flag, if you ask me. But let's continue. Especially so I don't get yelled at for talking in a podcast. Baumeister and his wife operated two Save-A-Lot stores, but they had had financial troubles. The Baumeister's West Washington Street store is closed, and there's now a for sale sign in front of the property. Now employees say they're still waiting to be paid. He called all of the employees and told us to meet him in the parking lot here at 5 o'clock on Friday to pick up our checks. And when we all showed up, we waited around till 6 to 6.30 and he never showed up. Those same employees say Baumeister's behavior at the store was erratic. He was jumping. He was a nervous man. He was a very nervous man. And now a word from our sponsors. Before you decide to skip through these sponsored messages, if you could just listen, it would mean a lot. You guys come here every week to listen to me tell you all about the things that I do. That is only possible thanks to these sponsors who make sure that my bills are paid so I can keep looking into this stuff for you. 
So if you could go check out these sponsors that I'm about to tell you all about and see if any of their products, I don't know, tickle your fancy. Show them a big thank you for making sure that I can continue to create this content for you. Let me tell you all about Doom and Groom. If you've listened to my podcast before, you know how much I love them. I'm going to fill you guys in on something. I had a horrendous sunburn this past week. When I say horrendous, I mean I blistered. Listen, I have learned my lesson and I will officially be using sunscreen from now on. But I didn't at this certain juncture in my life and I needed something to save me after the fact. Now, of course, I put aloe on it. I'm not a fool. But I also use the body butter that I have from Doom and Groom and my skin healed so much quicker. I doubled that up with the tattoo balm as well that really hydrated the burn that was all over my body. It hurts so bad, guys. I cannot even express that enough. However, these products really did help. It took the sting away. It made it to where I could move my body and not cry. And I can't tell you enough how amazing it left my skin looking all the time, every time. It wasn't just because of the sunburn. It always hydrates my skin just the right amount. It's not oily. There's no residue left, but my skin is so soft to the touch. So head on over to doomandgroom.net and look at all of their products. I personally use Succubus. However, check out what they have. You might like something else. While you're there, if you see something you want, use the code HARMONY and you will get 10% off of your purchase. Next up, I want to tell you about Fiji Tree of Life. Again, if this is not your first episode, you know that I personally use these products. And I love me some Delta 8. If you're curious about Delta-8, CVD, or even electronic vehicles, head over to FijiTreeOfLife.com. For those of you that don't really know what Delta-8 is, it is a recreational THC product. If you head over to FijiTreeOfLife.com, you will be met with a ton of CBD-infused products. You will see all of their Delta-8 products, including flour and gummies. Head on over and check out all they have to offer of their Delta-8, CBD, and electronic vehicles. If you find something that you want to try, use the code HARMONY and you will get 10% off of your purchase. And I have another personal recommendation. I recommend the Delta 8 gummies. Again, that is VGTreeOfLife.com and use the promo code HARMONY for 10% off of your purchase. And lastly, we have a new sponsor coming into the ring. I do not have a promo code for you yet, but on the next episode, I will have all of that and more. But I do want to say a massive shout out to O's Vapor. I am personally vaping two different of their devices right now. One is a Delta 8 disposable cartridge vape. You can recharge it, however. That's right. Some of these cartridges out there, you know, you have to buy a pen and then you have to redo the cartridges constantly. And that's like 20 something dollars each time. Uh-uh, not with these ones. Don't worry, I'll tell you more next week. But they also have non-Delta 8 vaping as well. You know, just regular vape. They have several different flavors, but again, I have a favorite, lemon tart. It is so good. My compliments to the lab tech that created it, cause you nailed it. Next week, I will have a promo code all set up and ready for you. But until I have that promo code for you, I just wanna say a massive thank you to O's Vapor for taking a chance on little old me. Once again, a big thank you to Doom and Groom and Fiji Tree of Life and O's Vapor for all that you have done. So if you guys could head over to FijiTreeOfLife.com, DoomAndGroom.net, and next week I will share O's Vapors with you and show my sponsors a little bit of support. It would mean so much to me. 
It is because of them that I continue to create this content weekly for you. Because your girl still has to pay her bills. All right, enough with the sponsor break. Now back to the show. So in 1994, 13-year-old Eric Baumeister, that's right, Herb's son, well, he was playing out in the woods on his family's property like a kid does, and he discovered a human skull. Now, okay, listen, let's pause for a second. Could you only imagine being a kid, playing outside in the woods, you know, having a good time, and all of a sudden you stumble upon a human skull? But it's not like you're just out somewhere. That's on your property. I would be shitting bricks. Well, uh, Eric was too, and he immediately ran home to tell his mother, Julie. The two then went back out to the woods so Eric could show his mother where he found the skull. Well, wouldn't you know? They get out there, and what happens? They discover more bones. Well, like any wife, Julie decides to tell her husband about the discovery of bones on their property. And Herbert had an answer. Yeah, he knew exactly why they were there. He informed Julie that they were from a medical skull skeleton that once belonged to his father. Now, he didn't actually explain to her why it was in that area. He just said that it belonged to his father. So, like, don't worry about it. And apparently, this was enough for Julie. She trusted his explanation and didn't question him any further. Once the large bones have been packed due to the, uh, the wild animals and the rains that we've had could have, have, have washed them on down even further. So that's why we, you know, I think we're finding them in different... Right now, no, they could be anything from animals carrying parts of uh, the, the skeleton away and dropping them off here or there. could be it's on a hill, so possibly even rain won't run off as much water as we've had lately. We're going to jump to the mid-1990s now. Herbert's business was unraveling and police had begun showing up at his door to question him about some local murders and disappearances that they believed he was linked to. Hey, I just need to interject here and let you guys know that you are going to be hearing crows for a bit of the audio as we continue because there is a bunch of them currently fighting outside. Now, Herbert started to feel like he was under the microscope and had pressure on him and he began having mood swings and fighting all the time with his wife, Julie. But he didn't just fight with her. He also began to talk about taking his own life. His erratic behavior proved to be too much for Julie, who filed for divorce. Now, let me tell you a little bit of backstory really fast about Herbert. Herbert had a pretty normal childhood. And by that, I mean the closest you can think of of a definition of normal. Whatever the fuck that is. But he had it. However, by the time he started to emerge into, let's say, like adolescence, there were some issues. Herbert began to show kind of like antisocial behavior. I say kind of because it wasn't your typical what you think of as antisocial. No, 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 no. Herbert went a little bit farther. He didn't have real friends. He had dead animals that were his friends. Like, he killed them, hung out, and kept them as friends. That's weird. So besides him making the weirdest friends possible, he also decided to urinate on a teacher's desk when he was a teenager. You know, because he was angry, so she had to know. And what better way to tell someone you're pissed the fuck off by pissing in their general area? Excuse me, I need to go throw up. So besides that, like, R. Kelly moment in Herbert's life, he was also diagnosed with schizophrenia. However, he did not decide to have any treatment for it. I don't know if anybody that listens to this podcast does suffer from schizophrenia, but I can only imagine how difficult that is. 
I myself have mental illness and it is not schizophrenia, but I do have severe PTSD and get flashbacks and sometimes I don't know my reality. Not to mention I have DID and I can lose time for a few days. Now I know how to live with it. I know what to do in order to not be triggered. You know, I have help. But if I don't have help, I, I can't live a normal life. And here's Herbert out here in the world without help suffering from schizophrenia. The man's not gonna live a normal life. Again, as normal as one can think. I don't know what normal is anymore, but definitely not what he was doing. Obviously, or we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it. So at this point, Julie is like, okay, I want out of this marriage because Herbert's an asshole. And she does, she files for divorce, she gets out, but before the proceedings can fully come to an end and she is no longer like Mrs. Baumeister, she decides to contact the police and say, hey, you wanna come search this property like you asked a while ago? And my lovely husband said, I don't think so. Well, come on in. I'll allow it. They decided to go to the property while her soon-to-be ex-husband, Herbert, was gone on vacation at the family's lake condo. People just have, uh, just have missing people, and uh, they've heard that we have found human remains on the property here, and they're just inquiring as to what we have and letting us know what, who is missing out of their families or what it might be, what their questions are. Once police began searching the wooded area on the family's farm, that wooded area, the one where Eric, when he was 13, found those bones, yeah, that one. They ended up discovering hundreds of human bones. Not just one little medical school skeleton. <laughs> Fucking bullshit lie is that. Investigators were able to find the remains of at least 11 men. However, they could only identify eight of them. Most of these men were known to be openly gay. The bodies were found approximately 50 feet away from the Baumeister's home. Now, I want to state that it doesn't matter your sexuality. I personally could give two fucks what you do, like I said, in the bedroom. I don't care. It's, I'm not involved. But it seemed that Herbert had a thing for gay men. But I think he also hated that he had a thing for gay men. Because if he admitted that he was gay, then he had to, well, basically to face himself. And I don't think he liked that. This is why I personally believe that he looked to have this normal and perfect life because he was trying so hard to convince himself that he himself was not gay. And of course, if you hate yourself and you are around somebody that is just like you, well, you hate them too. Now again, I don't actually know any of his reasons as to why he did this because when he did kill himself, he left a suicide note, but he didn't address anything because like he left a suicide note you know and he he just didn't acknowledge the murders at all he basically swept it under the rug and then took his life and just left everybody with all these unanswered questions now while herbert was vacationing on his lake property the police were discovering bodies that were buried all on his property this news was thought to have maybe got back to him that you know oh shit they found my evidence of all of my heinous crimes so Herbert decided that he needed to start calling people and, you know, get some money, uh, maybe find a way to keep hiding. And he did this. He reached out to his brother and was like, hey, I really need money. I don't know if you heard, but the police found my little whoopsie. Okay, he didn't actually admit that part. He just started asking people for money because he needed help. On one of these calls, his brother informed him that the police were in fact looking for him regarding some bodies that were found on Fox Hollow Farm. This is when Herbert decided he needed to get farther away, and he fled to Canada. Once there, on July 3rd, 1996, he wrote a three-page suicide letter. In this suicide letter, he talked about his failed marriage and his failed business. 
While he was in his car in Pinary Provincial Park in Grand Bend, Ontario, Canada, he shot himself in the head with a 357 Magnum. Nobody discovered his body for eight days. Now, Herbert may have left a suicide note, but he never confessed to the murders, nor did he make any mention of them in his suicide letter. Not even a simple, you know, I'm, I'm like real sorry. I can't face what I did, so I'm just sorry. He just basically shoved it on the rug and was just like, that didn't happen. Despite this, however, the police had enough evidence to close the case on the killings and conclude that Herbert Baumeister was absolutely responsible. Former farm in Westfield turned hidden burial ground of a serial killer could become the site of new homes. The property was once owned by Herbert Baumeister. He was linked to the murders of 11 to 20 men between 1980 to 1996. Well, in 1996, police recovered more than 5,000 human bone fragments buried on the land. A man who was trying to sell the property says people are aware of its history, but are still attracted by the beauty of the area. Two years after Herbert killed himself, police made a connection from him to the murders of nine additional men. Between 1980 and 1990, nine men were found murdered in the Indiana, Ohio area. The men were all found half-dressed and the majority died from strangulation. Investigators believe that the bodies discovered on Herbert's property were killed in the same exact fashion. Additionally, all of the nine men were from the Indianapolis area and most were openly gay. After the discovery of the nine bodies, police began looking for a man that was dubbed the quote I-70 killer and the Interstate Strangler, as the bodies were found along Interstate 70 between Indianapolis, Indiana and Columbus, Ohio. Let's back it up a little bit to 1993. Herbert's still alive, living his life, and taking other people's. In 1993, police were contacted by a man who stated he had met someone named Brian Smart at a gay bar. He went on to state that Brian Smart had in fact killed his friend and then tried to kill him as well. He couldn't really give them any information, however, on who Brian Smart was. So the police told him, well, stay in touch and uh, let us know if you have any other run-ins with this Brian guy. Well, two years later, the man happened to see Brian again and was able to follow him and get his license plate number. He called the police and said, I've got some information for you. And the police ran this license plate only to discover that this was not somebody by the name of Brian Smart. In case you haven't caught on, the owner of that car and the license plate number came back as Herbert Baumeister. This led police to look into Herbert and all of these murders and disappearances. In November 1995, police thought that Herbert may be involved in the recent string of murders that were happening to gay men in the area. This is when detectives decided to head on out to Fox Hollow Farm to speak with Herbert and ask if they could search the property. Of course, he adamantly refused, and since the police did not have enough evidence to obtain any sort of search warrant at the time, there wasn't much more they could do without the permission of the Baumeisters. I told you guys that Julie did end up letting the police and investigators onto their property. However, before that even happened and before she filed for divorce, they did go to Julie's work and uh, approach her about the whole situation. They let her know that her husband had been hanging out at local gay bars and that they were pretty sure he had something to do with these disappearances and murders. When Julie hears this, she goes into absolute denial. There is just no way her husband could be this guy. Absolutely not. So she does go immediately home and, wouldn't you know, just goes to Herbert and says, Hey, what's going on? Did you do this stuff? Oh, well, of course not, Julie. I would never. Can't even believe you would ask me. 
she accepted that. She accepted that Herbert was just, you know, this innocent guy and, you know, completely forgot about the whole skeleton and bones a few years before. This was just normal life in the Baumeister home, apparently. I'm going to tell you right now, I've never found human remains, so uh, that's definitely not a normal thing. Yes, human remains are out there all over the world, but it's definitely something that just fucking a little bit of a red flag. Just, just gotta say that. But she accepted that there was absolutely no link to him in these murders at that time. I told you guys that Herbert suffered from schizophrenia, but he also was told that he had multiple personality disorders. Him and his father both knew this. I told you that uh, Herbert had really weird friends as a kid. Well, one of his childhood friends that was very real recalled that he would walk around with a dead crow on the way to and from school, just keeping it in his pocket. He also not only, you know, peed all over a desk, but he told his friends he was very curious about the taste of human urine. Herbert is just out here living like R. Kelly. I mean, we know he peed on a desk of a teacher, but he also used uh, the desk of a, an employee at the Bureau of Motor Vehicles as well as his own personal toilet and peed all over a letter from the state governor. He did this, by the way, while he was at work for the company in question, and he was immediately fired. Now let's bring it back to the beginning of the episode for a second. You guys heard a little snippet of a news interview, and that was with Mr. Herb Baumeister himself. You see, considering that Herbert killed himself before ever being charged with any of the murders, there is no real known interview with the man. And there isn't a plethora of photographs and, you know, a bunch of stuff that's been released to the public, not like there is with most serial killers, where you get a whole bunch of information about somebody. No, it's not really how it is with him. Oddly enough, though, there is a early 90s interview that was with Herbert. You see, he was contacted by the local news station regarding a roadside line marker spray that was painted over a dead raccoon. Knowing that Herbert had a fascination with dead animals during his childhood now, it's not very surprising that he stood up for this dead raccoon and didn't like what the city had done. Remember, dead animals... Those are his friends. However, the news station during this one and only interview with the man had no idea that they were actually interviewing a serial killer and that at the time of this interview, he had killed almost 20 men. That's just fucking terrifying. However, Herbert is not the only person to be interviewed on the news that had already killed somebody. A future episode, we're actually going to talk about somebody who was interviewed about a neighbor of his that was dead. And during the interview, he was told that her body had been found. Oh, he turns white as hell. We'll discuss it in a future episode, I promise. And, you know, that's like basically all I have about Herbert Baumeister. He was a prolific serial killer that got away with his crimes for, well, his whole life. Yeah, sure, you know, they knew it was him, but he took his life before any justice could be served. And he didn't even ever acknowledge what he did. If you look at it back, you know, suicide, it's never ever the answer. But for him, it was the best decision. I'm not giving him an okay out. But let's look back on how he handled situations. The man pissed on stuff when he got angry. Whenever confronted with something, including evidence, he would deny, deny, deny. I have no idea what you're talking about. I have nothing to do with that. And people fucking believed it. However, this time, 
all of this evidence, there was no way that he was going to get away with it. His business was failing. He didn't have any more money. His wife was leaving him or had left him. I'm pretty sure his relationship with his kids at this point was just pfft, non-existent. You know, he didn't have a lot. I mean, to be fair, he did that all to himself. I'm not giving the man any fucking pity. So yeah, he ended his life. And of course, didn't say anything in the note, didn't take any responsibility, because why? I think what really gets me about Herbert's story is there are a lot of unsolved crimes and a lot of serial killers out there that we have no idea who they are. I mean, in all actuality, somebody who listens to this podcast has committed a murder or is a serial killer. At least statistically. There's a lot of you out there that listen to me every week. And if one of you are, you know, people, hell, maybe it's me. Run for your life before I kill again! I'm a psycho. Here we are, guys, at the end of your bonus episode. As I said, every week I will not be doing this, but every once in a while, I will create a second episode as a little surprise and thank you for always being here and listening to some of the fucked up shit that I tell you all about. Thank you guys so much. I mean that. I love what I do and I love that you guys are here every week with me. I love every week doing this for you. And hey, if you want to follow me on anything else, check me out on all other social media. Oh, hey, it's Harmony is my handle across the board. Or if you're somebody who still uses Facebook, you can search Harmony Miller and hit that follow button. I do have TikTok and Instagram as well. Again, that is oh, hey, it's Harmony on there. If you'd like to send an email to the podcast, you can do so at whatthaactualeffharmony at gmail.com. I can't promise that I will respond, but I do read every single message that comes in. I also can't promise that I'll read it in a timely manner, but I will read it. Now it's time to say goodbye. I love you, and I'll talk to you on the next episode of What the Actual F. But it ain't no lie, baby.